This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. Live from the Blue Wire Studios here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada at the Wynn Hotel and Casino. It's episode 253 of Top Rope Nation. I am your host, Ryan Drosty, joined here by my guys, Justin Joint, Kyle Ross, here to break down AEW Double or Nothing 2022. Uh, boys, before we get to the show, I mean, how's, how's Vegas treating you so far, so far, Kyle? I mean, it always treats me well. I think we're doing good. I mean, wow, we're in the big time here. No longer the uh, intimate confines of our home. <laughs> yeah, uh, WWE may be downgrading from their arenas, but uh, I'm, I'm a long ways from my basement right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is awesome. This is uh, very impressive walking uh, up to the Blue Wire studio here in the in the win. We saw the logo behind us right away. Made us feel big time. Uh, really appreciate the staff here producing the show, and it's going to be a good time. So, yeah, we've had some. We've been here all weekend getting this show in here right before we hop on our flights and head back to the Midwest. So just in time to break down what we saw last night at the T-Mobile Arena. It was a fun time, a long time. It was a very lengthy show. That's going to be a point that we talk about tonight, I think, for sure. But at least the drinks were cheap at T-Mobile Arena. Yeah, that right. kept us going. Right. $20 cans of beer, right? Yeah. In a lesson to anybody else who's going to go to a show, don't stop at the first concession. Keep going. Look for another one. There's going to be shorter lines. Or when you try to get in. That's right. Kyle, your theory about lines uh, heading into events? Because you were like the magic man, yet again, getting us into the arena. Well, I'll tell you what. First of all, there's a lot of theories about lines uh, in AEW Double or Nothing. But <laughs> as for this podcast... <laughs> And getting in, there was a lot of complaints about getting in the building. But look, Americans just seem to love to wait in lines. And they just get in the first line they see. And I was like, guys, hold on a second. Let me just walk around this building. Let me just take a few paces. And I was like, guys, there's no line Like if you just walk 500 feet. And we got right in the building. So a lot of complaints, I know, getting into the arena last night. But I don't know. I feel if you would have just walked 10 steps, you could have got in a little quicker. Yeah, you, you just went off exploring. You're like, come on, come on. You're waving us over. We got our whole group of, uh, what, eight people heading into the show together. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. Let's, let's get our grades in, all right? This is what we do on Top Rope Nation. All of our pay-per-view review shows, right away, we grade the show and check here on our Twitter page, see what our listeners graded, double or nothing. It looks like 143 votes right now, 30% A, 46% B, 15% C, 9% D or F. The... The WWE apologists coming in with the DRFs uh, here. Justin, let me throw it to you first. Give me your grade. I'm going to go A minus. Uh, it started great. It ended great. There was a pretty big lull in the middle where I think uh, Tony Khan was trying to outlast uh, the game seven. Yes. Which my Celtics won. Heck yeah, Justin's having a really good. You didn't even put money on that game, did you? Not a gambler. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Vegas. Come on. No, I was pretty confident your boys to win that. But yeah, we were following along on our cell phone devices in the arena, and Justin was very happy when the Celtics went over. So yeah. And yeah. 
you know, all the people who wanted to criticize Tony Khan, and I thought it was kind of insane too. We talked about it on the preview show last week about him delaying the big matches for Game 7. I can tell you, I was at the concession area during Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb. Somebody walked up to the bartender, because we had a kind of a special section where we were at, where, you know, we had our own concessions. It was very much a bar area. The Bud our, Light Lounge. I the Bud Light Lounge, yes. And somebody walked up to the bartender, like, hey, man, can you turn off the wrestling and put on <laughs> NBA Game 7? <laughs> Doesn't and, even care. Yeah, even though he was there. I guess he could just look out the curtain and watch the wrestling. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go B+. Plus. I... Yeah, I, I agree with Justin. You know, I was on our Twitter account pretty vocal about I didn't. There was two matches that they added last minute. Wasn't sure that those need to be on the pay per view. They probably could have put those on the dynamite here uh, Wednesday night at the forum and would have been a good draw for the show. But uh, I mean, they ended up being good matches. The overall length was really long. <laughs> I agree. Like there was a lull. I would not say the crowd was ever dead. Throughout the show, I mean, there was always a buzz in in the venue, but there was definitely that lull, like Justin said. Uh, and then, but once you got to, you know, the was the man the uh, not the stadium stampede, but anarchy the, in the arena. anarchy in the arena. Yes, the anarchy in the arena. I mean, that really woke everybody up. Yeah. And then from that moment on, I mean, those last three matches, everything was off the charts. And coincidentally, anarchy in the arena was beginning when when the basketball game was ending. Yes, very stressful time for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Justin biting his fingernails, chugging the beer. Jimmy Butler's missed three, I think, was just as they put Wild Thing on a second time. Yes. There you go. What did you guys think of that, by the way? I mean, we'll talk about it, but playing the music through the match. It's great. I liked it. Took me back to New Jack and Natural Born Killers. Crowd, crowd loved it. Crowd they, loved they were pissed when it stopped. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some people on Twitter didn't like it, but I thought, I thought it was great live. And now uh, we missed it being live in person, but supposedly Jericho's the one who stopped the music by smashing a soundboard or something like yes. that? I thought I saw him like pull a cord or something. Yeah, that's so, correct. What a okay. jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so A minus, B plus, our listeners were A to B range. Kyle, your take. I know you hate doing this. B, and like every other grade I've given in the history of the show, I reserve the right to change that at any point in the future. Yeah. Um, regarding the length, of this show, I think that seemed to be more of an issue with those watching at home than those in the building. Um, it's also a little bit different. Usually when we do these AEW reviews and length becomes an issue, we talk about, oh, you know, this match could have used five less minutes, mm-hmm. 10 less minutes. Here, it was a question of were there too many matches? You made that point earlier, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, there probably were, but again, Tony had a strategy to outlast game seven. He was not going to put the top matches on the basketball game was over he doubled down on that tripled down quadrupled down quintupled down whatever six is that's how many times i mean he downed a lot of times <laughs> yeah. in that post in the uh post show presser um so there's that so but the big difference at least vis-a-vis revolution in terms of length is last night the crowd clearly peaked at the end of the show mm-hmm. a lot of times now all out, they clearly peaked at the end, too. We, the three of us were there live as well. But there's kind of a sense of burnout sometimes with these AEW pay-per-views, and you don't want that for the main event. But last night, I think clearly like the main event was the hottest match in the building. I'm, I'd be curious to know if it's because of the way they laid it out. Uh, I know I was talking to you guys last night about, like, would you rather have, if the show's going to go four-plus hours, do you want eight to nine matches that are all going 
longer than you'd prefer them to, like you alluded to, like five extra minutes could get slashed from basically almost every match from the last three or four pay-per-views. Whereas this one, you know, we're looking at 13 matches that were all in that 12 to 13 minute range. So you're getting different flavors of matches that it's going to keep the fans' interest a little bit better than them maybe kind of drowning out. By the what way. is mm-hmm. the best pay-per-view? Any promotion that has 10 plus matches on the card. Mania 3? Oh, that had 12. 17? Mania 17? I think that might have had 11. Yeah. Boy. Let me look. I would have to that have. think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I think I think you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about this coming in too. That was going to be the big question: is the amount of time, you know, that they gave these matches. You get 13 matches or whatever on the card. One of them on the on the pre-show. As long as they're not getting 20 minutes, five six matches, I'm fine with it. And I think only two matches went over 20 minutes last night. Yeah, and for me, there's really only one that felt like it really overstayed its welcome, which would. I'll you know get more into when we talk about the card. There were eleven matches at WrestleMania 17, for the okay. record. But you know, I think looking forward, I don't know. Maybe we, we can visit this again at the end of the podcast. But um, AEW now, if we're to believe Tony Khan, and I don't think he would lie about this. I know he had Tony Schiavone do his ode to Gorilla Monsoon at WrestleMania seven and say this is the most purchased double or nothing of all time yeah. during the show. Yeah, uh, those unfamiliar Gorilla Monsoon. At WrestleMania 7, I believe it was during Warrior Savage, goes on and says, this is the most watched pay-per-view of all time, which was a complete lie, <laughs> for the record. <laughs> um, but he said, uh, and, uh, you know, we don't know what else Tony said. I'm just going off, you know, secondhand. I guess Tony was, like, still trying to get people to, like, buy for the main event, which is crazy. Yeah. But four pay-per-views in a row now, if we're to believe Tony caught about last night, year-over-year growth. When grading this pay-per-view and why I'm a little bit leery is, we're going to find out if the last six or eight months of booking decisions were the right ones based on what the pay-per-view numbers are for All Out, Full Gear, Next Year's Revolution, Next Year's Double or Nothing moving forward. Because there does seem to be a sense, at least on Twitter, that the promotion isn't as hot right now as it was last fall. For instance, mm-hmm. coming out of All Out when... Uh, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole showed up, and Punk had just recently debuted. Yeah. No, I mean, it'll be interesting. You, you put the title on CM Punk, though. I mean, arguably the biggest star in the promotion. If you're looking to continue those pay-per-view buys, I mean, this is the guy to do it. You got All Out coming up as their next big pay-per-view. Well, we Forbidden don't, Door. What's that? Forbidden Door. Or for, Yeah, Forbidden Door. And then, you know, their classic four shows, then All Out, potentially both in Chicago. You know, so we'll talk about possible matches for for all out and if, if it is going to be punk taken in the world title um there's some interesting things that they could do to i think pop a big buy rate again for that show and and obviously he was the impetus mm-hmm. for the promotion taking off last fall his yeah. debut so yeah i don't disagree with that decision and i think we were all three for three if i remember on the preview picking oh you weren't oh nope, i was saying man yeah, okay that's true. right that's right but that's we the were... that's the old podcast trick guarantees <laughs> one of us will be right at least well he was I was starting to second guess a little bit, but then I said, I've, I've got to stay true to my original pick, stay with my gut, so I went with Punk still. But mine was, mine was I was just rooting for Hangman. I, th- I thought it, was, it would have been a way to raise him up a level, but I don't disagree with them putting the belt on Punk at all. Yeah. You know who was not rooting for Hangman last night? Uh-oh. 
the guy in front of us. Uh-oh. There were some interesting characters in the crowd. That, I'll just say that. That guy and his butt crack. We were watching a few Ooh, different boy. shows um, there at the T-Mobile Arena. That is for sure. And imagine spending the money on that ticket <laughs> and then having your nose in your phone for 75% the of the The whole show. time. Or FaceTiming people so they could try to watch the show. FaceTiming people that did not look interested in the show whatsoever. Yes. yes. Or just straight up having a naked woman on your phone. <laughs> True story. <laughs> True story, yes. Kyle, you mentioned you know business-wise, looking for the year-over-year -year growth. Uh, they did announce during the show that this was their first million-dollar gate. Yes. That is not up for debate. Yeah. And it's, it's not their biggest crowd ever. I think Punk said at the end, after he won, he gave the speech off air that it was their biggest indoor crowd of all time. Don't believe that's accurate, but it was their biggest drawing show money-wise. Wasn't there a Dynamite in D.C.? Yeah, the first Dynamite in D.C. had a bigger announced crowd, as did, of course, the Rampage he returned on in the United Center. Sold out, bigger building. Um, Forbidden Door will be you know, a bigger crowd. And uh, then Grand Slam is the all-time attendance yeah, record, which yes. is obviously an outdoor show. Yeah, but it's up there. I mean, top five, top six uh, biggest crowds that they had had. So, I mean, let's look at the card. Biggest pay-per-view? Yeah. Right? Because none of those were pay-per-views. There, there you go. There you go. All right, let's break it down. Okay. Um, should we start with Punk and Hangman? And work our way back? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess let's yeah, just let's talk about that. it. I mean, okay. interesting dynamic, as we said, going in, because you've got babyface versus babyface. This is the match that we thought was coming for months, but we were always kind of second-guessing if they would actually do it because of that, that dynamic of babyface versus babyface and we've seen depending where the shows were happening we had you know punk work and heel of course in long island we had hangman at one point in time looking like he was going heel a little bit you know where he was going after the punk fans in the crowd did you guys feel like i mean it was very 50 50 in the arena mm -hmm. it was kind of hard to tell who had the advantage uh, at one point i thought punk was getting booed more but then like the crowd started cheering him and then it seemed louder it was really really hard to tell did you feel like Hangman was playing into the heel bit more during the match. Yes. Yeah. That's Absolutely. Especially when you factor in the finish. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know what was unique, though? The most unique thing about it, the dynamic, was it felt like for both guys, the boos outweighed the cheers. Yeah, that's true. It felt like people were not just into cheering for who they wanted to win the match, but they were more into booing the person they didn't want to win. And I'd love to take credit for this reference but i can't i stole it off twitter but uh the great charles loss uh, who runs the pwo board he referenced bret hart undertaker one night only the mm. first uk paper mm -hmm. september of 97 that was a match if people go back and watch it um on the network it had kind of that dynamic as well yeah. where it was split but the booze kind of outweighed the cheers for both guys mm -hmm. i thought that was a very good reference by him uh and accurate lots of dueling chance Lots so, of dueling some games. of them very inappropriate for young children. <laughs> Not a lot of young kids at this show, though. You know, I recently I talked about on the pod. I took my oldest daughter to her first show, which is a WWE event, and way more kids in the crowd. You don't get these same types of chants at a WWE show, but I mean, a whole different energy at an AEW pay per view television all the time. It was very noticeable in this match. I mean, the crowd was on fire. And something else we need to say about the crowd, Justin, you noticed it as well. As soon as I mentioned to you, you shook your head, yeah, as if you had been thinking about it. It was a casual crowd. There was a lot of people 
who weren't as up on the product as you would think based on the fact that they spent hundreds of dollars to be there in attendance. I mean, there was a guy behind us during the Anarchy in the Arena match that said, wait, is the inner circle still together? Yeah. I don't know who's oh, on no. whose team. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and I messaged that to our good friend Liam, and he messaged yeah. back, he's like, dude, they all came out in white together. <laughs> I think they're on the same team. Yeah, they, they matched pretty quick. I actually edited that message a little bit. Liam had it with I'm sure he wouldn't mind me telling you. Well, that, not, you know, speaking of you know, taking your kid to WWE show, a couple rows back, there was somebody wearing the most atrocious Vince oh, McMahon no. shirt ever created. He yeah. actually bought that $100 t-shirt and yeah. kept yelling, sports entertainment always wins. <laughs> it's very bizarre. That wasn't the only WWE not really trolling, I guess, but it wasn't the only WWE reference we saw. You guys have probably seen this on social media, uh, but we had a truck driving around the T-Mobile mm. Arena advertising Money in the Bank with Cody Rhodes' face front and center. I mean, I would have done the same thing. It's a very small truck. <laughs> it wasn't. Hey, yo. <laughs> could have tipped that thing over is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Could have got some people together yeah. and tipped it over. Yeah, this, okay, so the main event, uh, and we talked about the crowd reactions and everything. The match itself, it felt like it, it's to me. It started a little bit slow. Um, obviously, people are going to talk about there were a couple botches. You know, punt twice, going for the buckshot lariat. Joked afterwards, he'll never try that again. Although, the problem was him going for it the second time. The first time, yeah, they actually covered for it well because. Page stood up maybe before he was supposed to or something, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Punk kind of stopped almost, and it it felt real like he's like, oh god, he's ready for me. Yeah, and so the, the quote unquote botch, it felt more authentic. Like maybe that was something he would do. Like he like held up doing the move because he didn't want to get it. The second time was bad. Yeah. And what what's the old adage? I mean, my God, I've known this since I was sixteen. You don't repeat the spot. No, which they did in Darby versus Kyle O'Reilly. Yes, yes, same thing. I, I feel well, in AEW they do that a lot. He was visibly mad the second time, pounded the mat, you know. But And the crowd groaned. Yeah. So, I mean, but overall, the match progressed very well. And by the end, I mean, the crowd was with him the whole time. But, like, I mean, we had no idea who was going to win. I mean, this, this is what you want out of professional wrestling. You got a world title match, completely unpredictable. Nobody knows who's going over. And then the callback to WrestleMania 8. Kyle, it was like we were at the Hoosier Dome. In 1992. Yeah, and I realized that I'm not going to toot my own horn. I realized exactly what the finish they were. And yeah. Aaron Graham. Our he good he was not happy. He was not happy about you calling the finish. <laughs> he was like, Aaron how do you know that's there. coming? I'm like, because the belt's there, I can just tell it right away. <laughs> yeah, I, I sensed they were going to do it because it, the, I don't know how it came across on TV, but who was the ref? Was it Paul Turner? I think it was Paul Turner. Um, when Paige was going to use the belt outside, he grabbed the belt from him and then laid it on the ring apron. And mm -hmm. as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, that's going to factor in the finish. Mm -hmm. And then when there was the ref bump, I was like, uh-oh, we're going to... Because you had asked, I believe, Justin, oh, what Bret Hart match are they going to borrow from in the finish? Yep. And I was like, I don't know. And then as soon as I was like, it's Bret Piper, WrestleMania 8, for sure. Yeah. And that's what it was. It, you know what? I think all of us, especially me and Ryan, we love Bret Hart with you know, all of our heart and soul. But mm -hmm. after those last couple months and after last night, it, I, the Bret Hart cosplay match stuff has got to go for a while yeah it's cool to pay homage to him like that like the first couple of times you don't want it to happen every time because it just makes it predictable like immediately it, when it, you called that out in the crowd to us kyle like oh yeah here it comes yeah this is what's happening he's reluctant to use the belt here it comes 
and it comes cost. across as phony. And like yeah. to make a musical comparison, I think we've actually said this before in the pod. It's like when a band just blatantly shows its influences on its sleeve. It doesn't mm. like update. It's just like, oh, here, you know, like we like Jimi Hendrix. Let's do a, like some crazy guitar solo or something like yeah. that. But oh, I mean, sure, I could have made a better yeah. analogy, but <laughs> don't get me wrong, though. I love the match. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah, it was great, tremendous, great, great match. Um, and in the end, it to me, it was the right decision. We've talked about this on the pod. Biggest star on the promotion, trying to continue to grow the brand. Um, all these big shows lined up for sure. At least one in Chicago at Forbidden, Forbidden Door. Uh, and so I think Hangman. It doesn't take away from him. You know, they can continue to evolve his character by looking at, all right, how does he handle this loss? You know, previously the story was for two years, him trying to build up his confidence, you know, and now we're going to get to this point where he had the confidence, he was the champion, how does he handle loss? He's a young guy, you can build him back up, it's not, it's not going to harm him, Punk's mm-hmm. not going to be around forever, he's hot right now, this is the time for him to be the champion, probably not for a real long time, but we'll see. Well, and... The finish, on the flip side, we talked about, okay, maybe we're borrowing from Brad Hart a little too liberally. It does give Paige an out, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Like, yeah. he can go on. He's like, ah. He saves some face. Yeah, he saved. The, it's not like he was just beaten clean as a drum, and he's clearly secondary to punk. Yeah, so th- yeah. that's the key. I mean, if you want to, you know, back in the day, they always, if, if unless if you were out of the territory, on your way out of the territory, they would always give you an out. Mm-hmm. Something that you could use moving forward and talk about, ah, I should have won because of this. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Ryan, I agree with you. I think, again, we, we all said it in the preview. That moving forward with Punk, there's just more high-profile matches with him as the champion. Mm-hmm. And also, if he lose, if he would have lost last night, what do you do with him then? Right. I, I think Paige is a guy, he can lose the first match with Punk, and then whatever he goes off and does something, and he can beat him in a rematch. Mm-hmm. With, you would never do that the other way. You would not have Punk lose the first match to Page and then beat him in a rematch. Because to your point, he's not going to be around as long. That would not make sense. Yeah. Well, and you know, with me going in, rooting for Hangman, hoping for the win to raise him to another level, I mean, just with the crowd response, him getting 50-50 chance with CM Punk, I mean, he's there already. Yeah. You can take the belt off him, he's fine. Interesting that they... Tied FTR and Punk together after the show. I don't know. Did any of that air? Do we know? I on, don't in, believe. It audience? looked like everything went dark, but I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Not, okay. not, not if we go by uh, the Top Rope Nation YouTube account. Oh, yes. <laughs> we had posted the whole, the whole post-match thing to YouTube. It got pulled. I think you can still see it on my Twitter page, though. I've got the, Punk's whole speech and stuff with FTR. What, what was that shirt, Justin, they were wearing? Sons of Hitman. Sons of Hitman. Well, Pretty cool shirt. I don't know if that's official or like fan-made that they're wearing. I haven't, I haven't checked yet. But. But, but I said to Justin, well, who do you pair Paige with if you want to do like a six-man tag yeah. on TV or a six-man war? He had a tremendous idea. It's one that's not going to happen, but it got me very excited. I got to say, I was pretty proud of this one just from the, the facial reaction that Kyle gave me when I finally came up with a... What uh, we believe the right answer is, and that would be the Briscoes. Oh. Can you imagine if Paige brought them? I mean, they're not going to do it. I mean, if you listen no. to, I mean, if, especially, you know, I, um, they're, they're trying to, you know, get in good with Warner Brothers Discovery, yeah. with the merger, and if they were already told no by the suits, I don't think. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, that, that's they're a bridge not going to go one. down. But, uh, I mean, we don't know what direction Paige is going to go in. Is this feud going to continue? Is he yeah. going to go off and do something else? If it can't be the Briscoes, Let's say you're just booking a hypothetical six-man tag. Punk and FTR versus Adam Page in a tag team. Who is that tag team, Ryan? 
I mean, do they try to reunite him with the Bucks down the line? I brought that up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, potentially. I mean, the, the big thing hanging there is what happens when uh, Kenny Omega comes back. Yes. You know, how they tie him into this whole story. So, so yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a six man. I mean, they could just do a one off. It'd be a great dynamite main event, though. Oh, yeah. For sure. And we know they always, in the summertime, do these big shows. You know, yes. Fighter Fest as a, as a dynamite, yeah. Yeah. Fight for the Fallen. They got stuff they can do. But yeah, match itself. You know, we see uh, him counter after the, the belt spot. We talked about counter the buckshot lariat into the GTS. I wanted to call out, too, when Hangman was going to go for the GTS and he did the, you know, the sleeping motion to the crowd. That was fantastic. He got a lot of boos mm -hmm. when he did that. I love that. Just the look on his face at the time. But Second best match of the night? The main event? Yes. For me. Okay. Yes. I, I, would, I would agree with that. I think in terms of like the classic star rating perspective, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, so that was the main event. New world champion. Uh, so what, the fifth world champion in AEW history, I believe? Jericho, Moxley, Jer Omega. Yeah. Page Punk. Page, Page Punk. Yep. And I believe I've seen three of those wins in person. I was thinking oh. about that last night. Yeah. Yeah. Moxley at Revolution. Page at Full Gear. Punk last night. There you go. So five champions. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mentioned before, are we going to see CM Punk have a long reign? Because we know this company loves to do long world championship reigns. I don't know that that'll be the case. There's a lot of That's matches, like, though, uh, to, going back to that point that I made earlier. I mean, you can do Punk versus Brian, Punk versus Kingston. You have Punk, to do Punk versus Joe. Punk versus mm -hmm. Joe, Punk versus Omega. That's a lot of, I mean, unless if you want to run some of those on television, and you know they're going to have to run something big when they do Grand Slam. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to get past full gear, but in November, we obviously know it's going to be championed all out. Yeah. Even whether or not it's in Chicago or not. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Over, under. January 1st, 2023, that CM Punk will still be the world champion. Under. Under. Wow. You over? What about the old podcast trick? What do we always say? <laughs> I'll say over. <laughs> all right. So the other big story this weekend was what was going on with MJF. That opened the show. Now, there was a, a buy-in match. Hookhausen defeated Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. Hook was big time over. And so was Danhausen. Yep. And Danhausen as well, who got the pin. You know, basically, uh, Hook took out the opponents, and then we had the pin by Danhausen. We've talked about it on the show. Short term, I have no problem with that pairing. And Danhausen's super popular, so... So why not? Um, they opened the show then, of course, with Wardlow and MJF. Well, yeah, really just, just one last thing. Yeah. Sterling again with an ode to Jim Cornette at Shytown Rumble 89. Mm -hmm. And people can check the archives for our review of Shytown Rumble yeah. 89 if you're a patron. There you go. <laughs> and thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. We've met a bunch of them this weekend, by the way. We had a Top Rope Nation meetup uh, over at New York, New York, just before the show. It was a lot of fun. Uh, one of them's wandering the halls right now, Michael Jenkinson. I've seen him out there. <laughs> Keeping He's watching security. The show. Yeah, the women are security. The women are just trying to break down this glass window right here to get in. It's unbelievable. All the paparazzi taking pictures of the Top Rope Nation mm -hmm. house here, and Michael's keeping them at bay. So thank you, Michael. But yeah, thank you to everyone for your support. I really appreciate that. Uh, all right, so they open pay-per-view proper, Wardlow, MJF. You know, all this discussion this weekend of what's going on with MJF. He no-shows an autograph appearance for AEW on, uh, what was that, Saturday afternoon? Yes, and then there's this rumor that he's got this flight booked. He's on his way out of Las Vegas. Is he going to show up for the pay-per-view just hours before the pay-per-view? Turns out he is there. 
Um, we didn't hear the commentary, so I don't know how much they played into this on TV, but really from the looks of it, all we saw was MJF do like the little, uh, you know, plane thing in the ring with his arms, you know, you know, leaning into those reports about, uh, about him flying out. But I don't think any of us, when we heard about it here in Vegas, we never really took it seriously that he wouldn't be there. It just does, doesn't make sense. The guy is under contract until January of 2024, which doesn't give him a ton of leverage. Uh, we know, though, that WWE probably has made some overtures through some people on you know how much he might get paid should he go there eventually. It's clear he's not happy. That's, I don't think that that's a work. There's something going on. You've, you've all probably read the reports about you know AEW trying to engage him in uh, discussions to, to redo his contract potentially. That's not happening so far. Hopefully they can work this out because when you look at homegrown stars with this promotion, he is one of the top ones. I mean, he's got a huge future ahead of him, just the best heel in the business, in my opinion. And so you want him to get it worked out, but uh, he did exactly what they needed to do here. You talk about leverage and him being unhappy, maybe wanting out earlier than January 1st, 2024. I mean, you're right. He can't, if he wants, he can't just no-show the pay-per-view and hope to get released because that would be a terrible precedent to set by tony khan if he's just like oh this guy's unhappy i'll let him go because mm-hmm. then if anyone's unhappy they can just yeah. yeah they can just start not doing jobs and um get out so who knows do you it was the the way the match was done we should talk about the match obviously mm-hmm. with wardlow whether it was mjf's last match in the promotion or it was just the end of a feud it was perfect yeah that's how you beat a guy and you know, put over an ascendant baby face. Just yeah. ten power bombs and let's go home. I mean, MJF had what? No offense in the match, basically. Just about. I mean, and he was doing the thing that I know you wished uh, Adam Cole would do more of, and that is play the chicken shit heel mm-hmm. role, which he did fantastically yeah, like, by rolling out of the ring, uh, trying to cheat in that fantastic spot with the ring where yeah. the ref and Wardlow were just watching him put it on. <laughs> Wasn't there a part where I, I read this online? I didn't notice it being there that he was like offering to increase the like the quadruple Wardlow's contract or something. Apparently in the ring. Yeah, he, there, there was a handshake and uh, uh, who was it? I think the ref was Remsburg and he reacted to he sold that well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean this was exactly what it needed to be. But do you think there's a chance now? And we don't know this because it's a fluid situation here. We're recording on Monday that. He still wants out, and it was kind of like a Jeff Jarrett, although that's not apples to apples. Like, hey, you got to show up and do a huge job, and then we'll we'll talk about your future, whether or not we're going to let you go. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before, but like, if you're trying to get out of your contract and then you no show one of the biggest events of the year, why? How would WWE look at that? You know, like, would you want to throw money at a guy that does that? I think he had to show up regardless. Oh, yeah. but. Yeah, to do the right thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's written off TV for weeks now at this point. Stretchered out. Yeah. yeah. Which he should be. Mm-hmm. To be honest. I mean, I think you want to get the situation right. Um, you know, and you don't want, in case if he is leaving, you don't want to just like feed him a bunch of people. Oh, we've got to build MJF back up. And you feed him mm-hmm. a bunch of people, then he leaves, and you're like, well, why did we do that? Yeah. I, I, it is the right move to have him off TV. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting thinking about his future. What do you guys think? Do you believe he's WWE bound? Or is it just a work? There's like a lot of people who think this is a work, which yeah. the unhappiness is not a work. No. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how, oh, this second 
match from the top, maybe not happening. That's a great way to increase pay-per-view buys. That makes no sense. No. Mm -mm. Like, oh yeah, wow, I really want to see that match. Oh, it might not happen. No, I'm definitely buying the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, I'm throwing that 50 bucks yeah. out there. Just, just so I can see if it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I got to pay for it. No, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense from a business perspective. I so. think he's going to end up going where the most money is, which is what a lot of wrestlers are going to do. And I don't fault them for that. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to do this too, like try to catch you uh, contradicting yourself with MJF versus Sasha and Naomi. I always look at things like that, like when it comes throughout the history of time. As a fan, what did we lose when a person refuses to do a job? And if I liked what we missed, then I get angry at the person. <laughs> if I don't care, mm -hmm. which was the case with Sasha and Naomi, I mean, Sasha just doing a one-off job to Ronda Rousey, it doesn't do anything for me. Mm -hmm. I don't care right. about that. You know, Naomi versus Bianca Belair, maybe some people would be excited about that. I wouldn't be one of them. But in this case, I mean, it would have been like terrible. Like if you yeah. built Wardlow up this whole time and then MJF no-showed. So apparently this match was always going to go first. And again, that plays into the basketball game because they had about, in what, an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Um, before the basketball game started. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I think, first of all, how about Chad Repack? Oh, We're in Vegas. The Repack report. I, you, you better be real, you, real, real nice to me, Chad, because I'm mentioning you here in this very professional setting. <laughs> you guys mentioned me we're leaving the show. We're like, we haven't gotten Chad's takes yet. What are Chad's takes? And so he messages me, and basically saying what we said. It was whether it's the end of the feud or MJF leaving the territory, it was perfect either way. And then he goes, you know, MJF going to WWE right now seems more interesting than, you know, what he could accomplish in AEW. And then he follows that up with something that only Shay would say, I want to see MJF bomb in WWE. He's only <laughs> five foot nine, 210 pounds, no chance. Chad, come on. <laughs> come on, Chad. <laughs> An incredible time. You know, I was thinking about what you're talking with Sasha and Naomi, and they're so different because in that scenario, we're talking about, Two women, you know, frustrated on the creative side. MJF frustrated on the money side. Mm -hmm. I don't think MJF could have any gripes about how he's been used creatively, right? I mean, he's is, like a star all the time. He is, but, and again, he's a heel. Yeah. And throughout the history of time, what do heels do at the end of feuds? They traditionally lose. Yeah. If they're, this is three times in four pay-per-views, he's lost. Mm -hmm. Perhaps he could be angry because it was here, Punk last time, and then all out against Jericho, which I think we had a problem with at the time yes yeah but i mean the punk obviously he needed to put him over after beating him well and um, with punk he's 50 50 with the champ i mean it's not like if the extension was there or if tony felt like mjf was committed is i mean would you doubt he would be champion within a year or a year and a half world champ you clearly could go back to punk versus mjf i wouldn't do it like if all if things were rosy mm -hmm. right now i still wouldn't go to it like right away it's still too fresh you want to let that linger um i don't know what you do with mjf in the interim after putting wardlow over like that but um i guess just build them back up imagine the crowd response if mjf beat cm punk at all out in chicago i mean there's no way that's gonna happen <laughs> the place would just go completely yeah. crazy uh, uh, talk anarchy about, root for anarchy yeah. uh something the crowd went crazy about this was great um so w wardlow wanted up powerbombing what 10 times 10 times yeah. okay it was after what the fourth or fifth he went to pin him and we all thought the match was just over mm. yeah. and he warloaded his foot on mgf and he took it off at two and that drew a great reaction yes. and then so he good. just kept doing it uh no war pigs 
Chad, I know you were very disappointed, by the way. Which makes sense because going into this match, he was still under MJF's contract. So, you know, fingers crossed, dynamite on Wednesday. That's yeah. true. You're right. He's got. He's he's now a contracted AEW wrestler. God bless yeah. you. Yeah, Wardlow is all elite. There you go. <laughs> but you know, uh, he he's going to need a song. So maybe that's it. All right, let's move on. Hardy Boys over the Young Bucks surprised me. I thought the Bucks would go over in this match. I mean, the crowd. We've seen they've wrestled in the past, but you know, still promoting as a dream match, and two of the greatest tag teams of the 21st, late 20th century, I guess you could say. I got to call out right away, the Bucks once again in Vegas with the Elvis costumes was phenomenal. Oh, in, in the opening of their theme with the uh, Viva Las Vegas only to yes. super kick party, was yeah, fantastic. So as we sit here at the wind, just very close to where Elvis Presley performed back in the day. Ooh. We've got, you know, just down the road at the Westgate, we got the Bucks replicating Elvis Presley's Mad Tiger jumpsuit from the 70s, almost to a T. I tweeted it out. Look it up. I mean, the pants matched almost exactly the jumpsuit the real Elvis wore. I really appreciated that. The details, <laughs> the details. The match itself was fun. Like I said, um, the finish really surprised me. I thought the Bucks were going to go over because you, you got the cornerstone team of the tag team division historically in this promotion, obviously FTR in that conversation as well. And they haven't been doing a lot, you know, recently. The outcome of this match has me very concerned about a lifetime achievement uh, tag title round yes. for the Hardy Boys, which I do not want to see in what I was alluding to earlier with these match lengths. It's like the year is 2022. I do not need a 20-minute, almost 20-minute, Hardy Boys match on a pay-per-view. Especially since Jeff Hardy was doing, I believe, his own Elvis impersonation, the latter era of Elvis, perhaps. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know what was up with him, man, but something was up with him. <laughs> something so is off. The, yeah. the finish was Matt giving Nick the twist of fate, and then Jeff followed that up with the Swanton and, and Nick Jackson. For this was a total carry job by the Bucks. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, the, the, it was obviously important to them. Mm -hmm. to you know make the hardys look good they so you know um, if they're cool with it i'm not going to complain too much but you're right you know you look at kind of the future what it may hold for these two teams the bucks have to do something important do they get their win back on friday in their backyard do you think they'll just do an immediate rematch and they'll go 50 50 i hope so they they can't stall this out for too long yeah. the, the thing with the hardys in a tag title run again and we're going to get to the tag team title match uh, later on, I don't see the Hardys beating Jurassic Express. No. They, they won't be the next champions. No. True. Maybe they could be the team that teams up with Hangman Page. Yeah. Ugh. I guess. Ugh. <laughs> I wouldn't be clamoring for it, but I could see it. Uh, nobody was clamoring for a title change in the TBS title situation here with Jade defending against Anna Jay. And I got to tell you, sitting there live, everybody making a beeline for the restrooms and concessions when this one started because it was just you know no chance Anna Jay wins here uh seven minutes and 25 seconds although it made headlines because of the debuts we got here you know here's where we saw some surprises for the very first time so you get the baddies coming out and smart Mark Sterling again you know we see him after the pre-show match that we mentioned prior uh they come out and then we get a debuting Stokely Hathaway surprised to see Stokely Hathaway well, I think we all thought he was on his way, and I know that he, what, he did like some stand-up routine or something. 
a couple of weeks ago where he claimed he was done with wrestling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he had talked. Did you, you didn't see that when he made fun of NXT UK? No, I missed it. Oh, when he said like, oh, yeah, if you want to, you know, stay in WWE forever, just ask to go to the UK brand. It's like witness <laughs> protection program. They'll just completely forget about you. Yeah. Um, I think we had talked about when he was let go, the idea of him replacing Sterling with uh, and managing Jade Cargill. Yeah. Smart Mark Sterling isn't bad. I just think that you look at Jade Cargill when she's on the screen, it's so clearly a main event act, mm-hmm. star-level act, and Smart Mark Sterling is not like yes. someone who should be managing the lead heel in the men's or women's yeah. division. It's kind of like I'm getting those like Harvey Whippleman managing Sid <laughs> Justice vibes, you know? So, it yeah. Worked, it worked initially. For her introduction, but yeah, she is long outgrown. No, I, I think everyone, even when she picked him, when she was like looking for a manager, you know, doing the like the Bam Bam Bigelow thing mm-hmm. or whatever, and, she, and you know, he settled. Yeah. She settled on him, and everyone's like, oh. they didn't really have a lot to choose from. But yeah, short term it was fine, but definitely time to move on. So you know, we had him coming out. We had uh, John Silver came out at one point in time. In the end, we get uh, the Avalanche Jade for the victory. As I said, no surprise. Uh, Match was not good. No, very was, bad. Very sloppy. Very sloppy. Uh, Chris, Stan- Chris Statlander comes down. She got a big pop yes. for squaring off with Jade Cargill. So mm-hmm. that's clearly a TBS title match that people buy more than this one. Yep. And in the end, uh, we get Athena, the former Ember Moon, making her AEW debut. Everybody expected her to make uh, an appearance at some point, and here she was. So in the end, we get Anna Jay, Chris Statlander, and Athena standing tall together as a team. So it was fun for the for the debuts. The match itself was not good. Yeah. And AEW, that's become kind of their hallmark, right? Mm-hmm. You have a debut or surprise. You know, in this case, Stokely came out first. And then you have another one right on top of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because people aren't, I guess the thought process is, well, people aren't expecting the second one. Yeah. So it worked well in the building. People were, you know, as, as weak as the match was, people were fired up mm-hmm. afterwards. Stokely Hathaway got a huge pop. I <laughs> was not he, expecting that. It's easy to say now. And you could say this about so many people that got signed to NXT. But, like, given Vince McMahon's view of managers in the modern era, he always felt like a weird signing for them. Like, I was like, Vince isn't going to get his humor. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Vince McMahon probably ever met him, quite frankly, <laughs> when he was there. I, I don't think they had a lot of one on one meetings. But, yeah, I mean, hopefully he can show what he can do here because he was criminally underutilized. And, yeah. Titan Sports. Yeah. Uh, the six-man tag, so House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, defeated the Death Triangle. Buddy Matthews was jacked. <laughs> yes. Yes. Ico Pro, Kyle? Ico Pro? Do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, taking on Death Triangle. So Ray Phoenix, Penta, and Pac. Did we get confirmation on whose kid that was? Was that Ray Phoenix's? Son, he came on the entrance. Alex's, was, I don't know. He was I don't know. Shunted sure. off quick. I don't know. I that was very. That, that was cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, cute. We're all proud parents. <laughs> this was a, this was a really good match. Really good match. I mean, the headline coming out is that Julia Hart finally made the full turn. She's now House of Black. Uh, the lights went out. They came back on. Julia Hart's there. She blows the mist into Pac's eyes, which allowed Black to hit his his kick and get the pinfall. And then she goes off with. House of Black and uh, her face all painted up, all wearing black, of course. I mean, we've been waiting for this for how long? Last fall? It was, 
I don't think it went back that far, but it was pretty obvious that she was going to turn. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to be Griff Garrison or Pillman Jr. right now yeah. in the pecking order because yeah. I don't think they're getting their vengeance in that feud. <laughs> Wasn't she wearing the eye patch at full gear? Around that time, or maybe it was Revolution. I, I, I can't remember. It's been, it, it does go like back a, a while. Time. It does a go back time. a while, like longer than you'd think. Yeah. It undercard. Well, we were wondering if they were going to follow up on it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess like, it had gone on for so long. But here it was. Here was the turn. So if crowd had, liked it, crowd if, loved it. If they had done this finish on a WWE pay per view, would we be crapping on it though? I, I talked to um, our friend Garrett Gonzalez last night after mm -hmm. the show, and he, and he called it a WWE style finish, and he's probably not wrong. Yeah. I, it's not like the match had a ton of hype coming in. If it was like a big-time match and they do this finish, you know, a big championship match or something, yeah, I would agree. Well, the thing is, though, is that they've been building it for, like, you know, maybe till last fall. So it makes sense storyline-wise. It's not like uh, Alexa Bliss randomly turning on The Fiend at WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, it's not like that as a very WWE thing. Yeah. I don't want to feel like too much of a AW apologist here. but And to our earlier point about Hangman Page, this gives the loser an out. Yeah. Right? Because I think this feud's going to continue. You have a, you can do a lot of machinations, one-on-one -on -one feuds. Mm -hmm. I mean, Buddy Matthews gets Ray Phoenix on Dynamite. I think that would, sounds good. You could care. Yeah. So. Uh, Buddy Matthews versus uh, also significantly ripped pack. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> This feels kind of like it's a battle for the unofficial trios titles. I know there's a lot of rumors that those are going to come into existence maybe later this year or something like that, but it feels like you've got two teams kind of looking to a, two very logical teams that would be contenders for those titles, like mm -hmm. establishing themselves uh, before the belts are actually debut. Um, this was easily the best match of the first three-plus hours oh, yeah. of the show. Yes. Uh, until anarchy in the arena, Yeah, I'll, I'll say. Um, uh, Tate Machines, one of our favorite follows oh, on boy. Twitter, he had one of the great... Uh, comments he's like this match is five weirdo devil worshipers and ray phoenix being like i love to jump <laughs> <laughs> it's accurate that's accurate what can i say uh all right owen hart cup finals they start with the men women right after that so adam cole and samoa joe adam cole decked out in pink and black in the women's match Britt baker his girlfriend decked out in pink and black obviously everybody knows they are the two that went over so they foreshadowed the victors just by their outfits um, now, I will say in the Cole-Samoa Joe match, this is when I had to go up to the concourse. I missed a lot of this match live. When I came back, Kyle, I asked you how it was, and you said very average. Look, Adam Cole is very over when he comes out. Yeah. He feels like a big star when the crowd gets to go boom. But bell to bell, this run continues not to do it for me. Mm -hmm. The matches all feel average. And... Whether it's a pay-per-view, whether it's dynamite, you typically always get multiple standout performances on an AEW program. I can't tell you the last time Adam Cole was one of those. I can't tell you if he's ever been one of those. Yeah. Um, I, I, sorry, I was just reminded. I did not tell you guys this. I, I was missed the first part of this also, going to the restroom. There was somebody in the restroom who was legit pissed that they missed out on being able to yell boom. Oh, I mean, that's what it is, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We always talk about what's over, the chant, the theme song, or the performer themselves. And Adam Cole's great, but it hasn't really, I agree, it hasn't really connected with me so far uh, as far as like his actual in-ring run in AEW. And Justin referenced it earlier. I talked about it on the preview. 
show that we did last week. I really thought that this match, working against a guy like Samoa Joe, would be an excellent opportunity for Adam Cole to work the way I want him to work, which is chicken shit heel. Mm -hmm. He did not really do that here. There was a little bit of it, but it was more just him being physically dominated by a bigger guy. He wasn't really leaning into it the same way like an MJF would. Now, MJF is a different character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But... I would have liked to see more of that from Cole here. And the finish fell flat. That was the weakest knee strike I've ever yes. seen in my life. Yeah. And again, he's. I don't want to lean into the jokes because it's like the worst people on Twitter that make them with Cole's size. Mm-hmm. But, dude, he's wrestling a much bigger guy. One knee to the back yeah. of the head dome should not do it for Samoa Joe. Bobby Fish did interfere. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But it was it kind of backfired, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the crowd like the crowd around us was shocked that was the finish. So I mean, it, look, it's it's later career Samoa Joe here. He's not going to have super long matches, um, but you would like to see something a, a little bit stronger and not just go to the finish out of nowhere like that to end. I mean, how how long did this match go? I got in my notes. This was uh, twelve minutes and thirty seconds. So yeah, I mean, when I went to the concourse, I missed most of this match. Yeah, no Jay Lethal. Yeah. So they didn't factor into it at all. Yeah, I I figured Cole was going to win, but you look at the totality of this Owen Cup situation, how it's Cole and Baker winning. Is that is this the kind of thing we would criticize WWE for? Because, look, Cole's coming off two world title losses. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak for you guys, but I don't think we're exactly clamoring for him to go right back to the world title picture. No. no. Britt Baker, on the women's side, just lost women's title and here she is okay she gets kind of like propped back up by winning uh, on that side of things where do you go with her i mean it's like is she, you use her and thunder rosa again because thunder rosa could use another victory over Britt baker right yeah, yeah it was okay very bizarre to me i mean at, especially after adam cole won i think on our preview show i had picked joe and Britt. I was shocked that they did two heels winning. Mm-hmm. So after Cole won, I thought for sure Ruby Soho was going to win. It and definitely felt like she was going to win. Big presentation with Rancid there playing her out to the ring and everything. Uh, we had the guitar player for Britt, I guess, but not I as guess big he's of a from production. Stuck Mojo. Yeah, okay. the, the, the I wouldn't DDP have guessed days. that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that until yeah. I don't, I don't know my Stuck Mojo guitarist. I can't say, but but it's it's weird because so Britt is she's a made woman. No matter what happens, right now, her and Jade are heads and shoulders above everyone else in the women's division. We think Jade long-term is going to be the star of the division, but right now it's Britt Baker. And so, like, she didn't necessarily need this. They need to create more stars in that women's division. And Ruby Soho, I mean, she had the crowd behind her. She had the big entrance. I'm shocked. I was shocked she didn't win. And the video packages like on road two and whatnot really played into the fact that she has not won the big one Mm -hmm. typically when you do that with a baby face they win the big one yeah right i mean that was remember like jared what was it jericho and rock Mm -hmm. and no mercy although jericho was going heel ironically enough um that was like oh he's never won the big one and then he beat rock um but yeah i I was kind of shocked by this i was pretty convinced ruby soho was going to win and here's the thing too i've seen this on twitter some discussion just because, what this goes for WWE or AEW, just because they do something that I didn't pick in my previous show doesn't make it wrong. Mm-hmm. I think there is maybe an argument that can you rehab Ruby Soho? Like, let's talk, we'll look at this, the, the flip side of what you just brought up, Ryan. 
okay, you need to make new stars. Ruby Soho wins this tournament. Well, what do you do with her? You're not going to have her beat Jade Cargill. No. You're not going to put the world title on her. I mean, Thunder Rosa is above her. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you really do? It's like, okay, it'd be a great moment, but three months from now, next year, when you're doing this again, because it sounds like they're going to do it again, I mean, do you want to look back? Oh, Ruby Soho is the first Owen Hart Cup winner, and she's like, you know, middle of the pack, yeah, kind of a nobody. You may, that yeah. may be how they looked at it. Yeah. And I, we talked about it on our preview show. With the heels winning, they can do the same shtick that Owen Hart did with his slammies by rubbing it in to everybody's faces. It was kind of awkward with them standing there while Martha was speaking, like, you know, speaking from the heart, and, you know, and she, it was nice. Obviously, I think the best thing about this tournament, we would all agree, is that it got Owen Hart's name yes. back on wrestling television. I, mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't love two tournaments going concurrently on television. I think that kind of hurt the build a lot yeah. for the reasons we outlaid on the preview show. So, um, but yeah, they were the winners. I don't know. They're, you know, they're both made people, honestly, yeah. but it, it kind of keeps them at a certain level. And we should talk about the finish. Another Bret Hart callback. Yes. Was a, not a one-to-one yeah. uh, play on the WrestleMania 10 finish, but it was a victory. You know, yeah. Ruby went with the victory roll mm-hmm. and it was reversed in a different way. Close. Yeah. yeah but not quite exactly. This was our first bad sharpshooter of the night was in this match. <laughs> yes, it was. There, there were multiple bad sharpshooters on this evening. And what's terrible for Ruby is she had the crowd. Yeah. When she gave, looked at the crowd and it was clear she was going to do a sharpshooter, people were like, okay, it's over. She's yeah. going to win. And people were, and then it was a really bad sharpshooter. Crowd booed. Yeah, I well, heard booze. Yeah, yeah, you heard the booze. Uh, and they, that's when they kind of lost the yeah. crowd. When, when mm-hmm. Not just that it wasn't the finish, but it was a bad Sharpshooter. Yeah. No. Maybe that's why they need to bring Bret Hart at AEW to get a <laughs> clinic on sharpshooters. For God's sake, CM Punk, Adam Cole, Ruby Soho. All great performers. None of them can do a sharpshooter worth a damn. I don't know what's going on, Kyle, but somebody needs to show them. If you can't do a move well, just don't do it. <laughs> it goes back that goes back to, you know, people say, Oh, what an arrogant what a arrogant thing to say. It goes back to like the rock. You know, yeah, I remember. Rock couldn't do it either. Well, yeah. the, well, not it, it's. You're right. The sharpshooter is yeah. one thing, but he did it. But like just his move set in general. Remember when he first started and he was a babyface and was not getting over. He would do like a lot of like stuff you would never see him do mm-hmm. in his main event run. And I don't know if he was the one who relayed this directly or somebody else told you about it. Like Pat Patterson basically was like, well, just stop doing this stuff and just do like, you know, the five or six moves you're really great at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you look at like kind of like 98 through the end of Rock, that's what he did. Yeah. No, and as you mentioned, really cool to see Martha Hart come out there for the presentation. Afterwards, did a nice job with her speech. And then the belts, which Justin, you called to my attention that the belts are basically inspired by the old Stampede belts. Yeah, they're almost identical. Just you have the pink for Owen Hart. And yeah. this, you know, the wording on it is different, but. Yeah, really cool belts. Be curious to see uh, what they do with those. This yeah. is the last we see of them until next year, or I don't know if the heels wear them. I don't know. Well, if they're true to Owen Hart, you never stop carrying it. <laughs> true. Carry them out. Keep carrying out. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll see them for a little bit. You know, they they paid a pretty penny for those, I'm sure. Yeah. But I don't know how you. Yeah. AEW currently does have a oversaturation. That was the titles. that was the comment you made in the crowd. You're like, now what champion is this person? Like yeah. everyone early on had a different belt that they were mm-hmm. coming out with and yeah, a little too many floating out there right the, now. The whole power couple dynamic winning too is also very WWE. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um okay. Six man tag. 
men of the year, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and Paige Van Zant debuting, uh, taking on Kazarian, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conti. 12 minutes and 30 seconds, a match that was added late. This one and the following match, Kyle O'Reilly and Darby Allen were the ones they added on Friday night. Officially, they'd been rumored for the show. Um, I will say, you know, I took watching this, try to take it in as, as a casual fan. And I guess as a casual fan, it would have been entertaining, you know, because of the, you know, like my wife said to me, it was entertaining watching Sammy and Ty interact to her. Now we're kind of sick of it because we've been seeing it. But for people that don't watch it week to week, they were, I mean, you don't see on TV everything that they're doing. The way that those two jaw to the crowd is pretty entertaining. They're re- really good in that role. They were the only ones really playing to the crowd. By yes. the way, I think throughout this card, compared to some other AEW shows, the performers did a good job at playing to the crowd. That's mm-hmm. something we've said in the past, where yeah. just don't go in and just do your moves. You want to like you know do a move, let it sink in, play to the crowd. They were the only ones doing this match. Do you notice, like, WWE, if you compare the two, they always play to the cameras more? It seems like on, in AEW, I don't know if that's emphasized backstage that they play to the crowd more. And Roman does it. But I don't tend, I, I see, like, a separation there a little bit when I watch the two products. I it doesn't, it doesn't feel as micromanaged yeah. as WWE does. Yeah. Where, like, in WWE, somebody hits their finisher, and if they're facing the wrong way for the pin, they'll jump over so that, you know, their face is towards mm-hmm. the camera, right. which is yeah. ludicrous. I thought this match stunk. I'm going to be honest with you. It was I, sloppy I, too. Well, yeah. it, it's not just the what happened in the ring. Just the dynamic was so bad because the only person who was really a babyface in this match was Frank E. Kazarian. I think you should change that, by the way. <laughs> like Wiley Coyote. I think it yes. should be Frank E. Kazarian. And no one really cares about old Frankie. He's not hunting yeah. elites anymore. You know, he gave up on that. You know, it just wasn't working well for him. Yeah. Maybe there's just not that many elites to hunt anymore, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and now he's doing this and it was like, kind of like a real sad attempt to get people, I guess, to want to see Sammy and Ty win too, mm-hmm. but it, it did not work. And I don't know if you guys remember this. There was a spot down the home stretch where Kazarian told Sammy and Ty to kind of like F off. Right. Mm-hmm. I think he like even, you know, did that to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, men of the year and Paige Van Zandt started the beat down. The crowd just wanted that to be the finish, but yep. they went too many minutes after that. And then there, it was confusing because then he would kind of pop back into the yeah. match. And then he like kept helping, trying to win it after yeah. he told us, why didn't he just walk away? It was almost immediately. It yeah. was like 30 seconds after yeah. he said One no. One year fall, it was, like, it was like Sammy kicked out. Yeah. He's like, yeah. oh, you know what? Maybe I do want the winner's share of the purse here. <laughs> <laughs> and an embarrassing admission I have to make here to the listeners is when Sammy and Conte came out, you both were like, what are they dressed as? And I, oh, yes. I had the answer probably a little too quickly that they were dressed <laughs> as Maleficent. You knew Disney. it instantly, instantly. Very I, impressive. I blame me. my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Very impressive. Uh, so the finish, we should just get through this, I think. Yeah. Because no one really cared yeah. about it. I mean, this was probably one of the weakest matches on the show yeah. besides the DBS title match. Uh, Sammy accidentally kicked Ty. Uh, and, you know, there was the UF'd up chant. And uh, Sammy's stock right now seems real low, far lower than it ought to be. You know, he had that match with Cody. I was there live mm-hmm. in Cleveland where he won the title back in that ladder match. And things were great. They added Ty Conti to the presentation, and it has just, it is just not worked. It, it's, it's the wrong kind of heat, too. I, yeah. Like, it's, 
not like, oh, we want to boo these people. It's like, we want you not to be on television. Which Tony has admitted took him off guard. He thought that the crowd would still be behind them yes, together. He did say that. Yes, I, I, I caught that. And it, it was just a misread. And it's, remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when they did sort of course correct and decide, okay, they're going to be heels. They came out and they cut that promo and it was so cookie cutter. It was basically like, okay, you can boo us. Mm-hmm. It's cool. We're admitting we're heels now. And <laughs> it's fine. Go it, ahead. It, it just, it wasn't good no. at all. So I, man, he, 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 they need to rehab Sammy. And I'm just going to say this, Scorpio Sky should not be the TNT champion. My fantasy booking is you get the tight, that TNT title on Wardlow ASAP. Yeah. That, that thing has just been, you know, all over the place. Very short title runs. It, yeah, Wardlow, I think, is a contender. I mean, mm-hmm. Meltzer has outlined how he thinks, like, Brian Danielson would be perfect mm. for it. Like, it would be a, you know, a better version of what the WCW TV title was mm. back in the day, where it's like you have a worker who will just defend against all comers having these great matches. Now, see, in my head, I was thinking Lex Luger with the United States title. Okay, yeah. War, and Wardlow, yeah, with Wardlow, Wardlow yeah. absolutely, yeah. depending on what the world title trajectory is. I mm-hmm. think Wardlow is absolutely a contender. I just think, in a pro, again, going back to what we said about Cole, in a promotion full of people who turn and stand out performances, when, I mean, when were you like, oh, this Scorpio Sky? I mean, this is a guy that you should have, you know, a champ, you know, a championship on. I just don't see it. Well, frankly, I'm just offended by those Lakers colors on the TNT title. <laughs> the belt looks cool. I will say it looks yeah. cool. But you're a Celtics fan. You got to be objective here. It's a good looking belt. I, I think it's a good looking belt. Yeah, I, I just don't think Scorpio's. I, I don't dislike the men of the year act. I don't think Lambert fits well with it. They don't need I, him. No, right? no. Yeah. The, there's chemistry between Scorpio Sky and Ethan yeah. Page. I just, I don't know, man. There's just a lot of people. You know, if there's two men's singles titles, Scorpio Sky having one of them, no, mm. I'd get, I'd get it to Wardlow pretty quickly. You could do some, you could do some great matches in that division. Wardlow and Miro when he comes back. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be a good one. I feel like two big dudes hammering on each other. There you go. Right. So, uh, yeah, 12 minutes 30 seconds, not a great match. Then they go to Kyle O'Reilly and Darby Allen. Again, added late, nine minutes and 45 seconds. I was surprised by the finish. Yes. Kyle O'Reilly getting the victory here. And pretty clean. Yeah. Very clean. Darby getting wiped out in under 10 minutes mm-hmm. by Kyle O'Reilly, who does not feel like a big deal in mm-hmm. AEW. No, he doesn't. Um, this match was not, you know, the liveliest in the building. I think I probably actually had the least amount of heat of any match. I, I agree. Think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. You know, my buddy, uh, Mike Johnson, appears with us regularly on the watch along. He texted. He said he loved it. Yeah. And there were people on Twitter mm-hmm. who said they really enjoyed it. It was technically sound. Um, this was probably the part where it felt the pay-per-view was being elongated and maybe there was some restlessness in the crowd. But it was a good match, I think. It probably would have just been better served on Dynamite where it could have stood out. Yeah. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just it kind of felt like the finish came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was a little shorter than I thought it was going to be. Um, the, I thought the next match went far too long. Yeah. Uh, we should mention, too, we talked about the punk um, repeating the spot with the buckshot Larry. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a, they did that again here in Darby and Kyle, where Darby, the spot was he was supposed to do his tope through the ropes, and oh Kyle was going to catch him in a chokehold, and Darby 
damn near killed oh, himself doing it. Like he, he came ugly. up short and you, every, like the crowd gasped. That was yeah. probably the most audible reaction it got in the building. And then they just went to the other side and they did it again so yeah. they could do the spot and you knew something was coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was, that was brutal looking live. We were worried yeah. for him at yeah. first. To just, I don't know what you do with Kyle O'Reilly though. I don't either. What are they building him for? Yeah, I don't know. Darby's a guy, you know, lost to Punk, obviously mm -hmm. it all out, but that was fine. Mm -hmm. Lost to MJF at full gear. Yep. And then what did he, he was in the multi-person match yeah. with Sting and they yeah. went over that. So, but still he just feels you know, you talk about potential. Who has the greater ceiling at AEW? It's clearly Darby Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to Kyle O'Reilly, I would have Darby get his. Are they going to build to a tag match, Darby and Sting against like Fish and O'Reilly? That's probably where they're going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about for the history of this promotion, we always talk about who are the best homegrown stars. And it's always MJF, Darby Allen on the men's side. And Darby's definitely, his trajectory is not moving in the right direction right now, for sure. Um, I mentioned the next one, the women's championship match, 16 minutes and 55 seconds. Thunder Rosa, no surprise, retaining over Serena Deeb. I thought the crowd was getting restless in this one. Well, this was the match that I was in the concessionary. You talked about how you, yeah. you know, you got to stretch your legs. You got to get another beer, whatever. And I was in the concession area, and they were definitely stretching on this because this is when the basketball game was mm -hmm. ending. Mm -hmm. And this is when the guy walked up to the bar and said, hey, can you put the basketball game on? <laughs> um, also at the bar, Justin, because you came up. Or no, no you didn't there. come up. It was, it was our good friend Aaron, Aaron Graham. Yeah. I apologize, mm -hmm. Aaron. Um, and Mox and Santana were up there getting ready for the entrance in yep. the bar. So I just kind of stayed up there and chilled. I wanted to stretch my legs. But yeah, I think you, know, you mentioned that time relative to some of the time uh, match times we've talked about earlier, they were clearly stretching this mm -hmm. so that Anarchy in the Arena could go on when the basketball game was over. Yeah. It, again, this match was technically sound. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think these are two of the better in-ring workers, mm -hmm. um, if not the two best in the it, AW women's division. It just suffers from, as, from the same thing as Jade versus Anna Jay, where the outcome was not in question. Good yeah. point. And, Here's another thing, too. We've, we, we've talked about it. People, you know, the Dirty Diaper Club gets mad at us about, you know, maybe saying there shouldn't be two women's titles yet in this promotion. Who's Thunder Rosa's next contender? Well, that's the thing about with Ruby. They could have built her up as a challenger. You know, Britt always can get a title challenge, obviously. But Ruby Soho, I mean, they could have done it. Both of them are baby faces, but they don't shy away from doing baby no. face versus baby face at all in this promotion. So Good point. Uh, yeah, that I, I kind of saw her as maybe in that next tier of title contenders, and maybe they still get there. But if they if they were gonna go in that direction, then I don't know why you don't have her win the Owen. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, no chance of of a title change here. Uh, Thunder Rosa wins with a superplex, followed shortly thereafter by a Fire Thunder Driver for the pinfall. And this Anarchy in the Arena match, guys. Ooh, <laughs> how have we not <laughs> talked about this seventy minutes into the podcast? Unbelievable. Okay. We, we, we did talk about the music earlier, mm -hmm. how you know they continued to play Wild Thing. I loved it live. The crowd was mad when they didn't play it a third time. Um, and Jericho ended all that. We talked about that. But yeah, I mean, it, it was hard to follow in the arena because they were so all over the place. And we're looking behind us this way, this way. We also didn't realize. So we were in the section right between where Moxley and Brian came down. And we were all watching Moxley come down to our left. And then I think it was Aaron 
Or nope. Justin. This guy. Justin? This okay, guy. Justin, you're like, oh, Brian's on this side. So I turn over. Sure enough, there's Brian. Nobody's even looking at him. He's standing right there on the stairs, and everybody was looking the other way. And we started pointing that way, and then more people noticed, and Brian's on that aisle coming down. So I was coming down behind Brian. Yeah. And when him and, um, God, who did you get? Which guy in 2.0 did you get a fight? It doesn't matter. The security overreacted, and they thought there was a fight. Oh. <laughs> the wow. one guy started going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then, like, the other guy's like, no, no, it's fine. Wow. Yeah. They totally did. Oh. Maybe I misread the guy. I don't know. Maybe, some, maybe something happened. But it seemed like he really overreacted. He thought like a fan like got into it with Brian Danielson. Yeah, this this match was a very much needed shot of adrenaline yes. for everybody in that arena because it, it was really starting to get you know little dead in there as, as far as this crowd is yeah, concerned because yeah. they were I, pretty live. I felt like the theme music. They even like made it louder. It was super loud as they kept playing that over and over. Like as compared to the other entrances earlier mm -hmm. in the show. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, a little hard to follow, but we're watching the big screens. We're seeing everything happening on on the concourse. Our, our buddy Chris Bean, patron of the show, he was out there on the concourse, saw him, uh, Eddie Kingston fighting right in front of him. That was cool. Uh, but uh, I mean, in the end, what they fought or what they got up to was this heat between Kingston and Brian Danielson. And how good, Kyle, was Eddie Kingston in this match? I'm going to give credit to Justin because you know the match was going on and he said kingston hasn't walked out yet and when he walks out this crowd's gonna lose it and he walks out with drenched in blood drenched in blood <laughs> with a gasoline can and, you know again i don't want to give any credence to the bad faith actors on twitter but there's this notion in modern wrestling that there's like cosplay right yeah. this guy's pretending to be a wrestler and, you know, when you come out bloody like that, holding the gasoline can, there could be a sense, if it's a different person, where it's like, oh, this is phony. Like, mm -hmm. And it's like, it gets the wrong reaction. Like, you almost laugh. Mm -hmm. You could laugh yeah. at it if it's the wrong guy. With Eddie Kingston, it feels authentic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the promo um, where he talked about, like, being an alcoholic before is unbelievable. I mean, this guy is really on a different level than most of the people in AEW. I mean, in a promotion full of standout performances, like we talk about again, he's a guy who, you know, unlike an Adam Cole or, uh, you know, some of the other guys we've talked about who maybe haven't given him, Scorpio Sky, he gives standout performances a lot. Yeah. And you talk about him and Brian Danielson, we knew that was the direction they were going. They played it up in the interviews. That's a feud, which not only will be great, mm -hmm. that we all think, but could set one or both up for CM Punk mm -hmm, and yeah. World Title Match because, you know, obviously, you know, those are matches that people really don't need a lot of extra impetus to want. Yeah. This match, uh, talking about just how chaotic it was, it felt very much like a match we recently covered on Top Rope Classics, the Nasty Boys versus Cactus Jack and mm -hmm. Max Payne. And that's, you know, it does not feel choreographed. You know, it was fun trying to figure out where the hell everybody was. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, the camera had the same problem keeping yeah. up with everybody. This is what I would love to see how they produced it on television. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. like, I mean, did, were, were there, we don't know, were there split screens? What were they doing? Was yeah. it just like insane camera cuts? Because yeah, it was tough trying to follow this in the building, but it was a good kind of tough, like yes. where it felt mm -hmm. chaotic. Talk about those late pay-per-view buys coming in. There's gonna be three of them right here. Cause I can't wait to see how some of this came across on television to, just to rewatch the show. And Justin Joint, let me say, we know that we have the Justin Joint sweat scale. I think we need a Justin Joint blood scale. 
I think Muda already took that from me. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we need a Justin Joint version, though. That's what we need. I mean, I'll, I'll come up with the joint scale for sweat. There we go. Okay, there we go. Um, but yeah, this was tremendous. Best match of the night? Yes. Yes. Yeah, agreed. I agree. Um, yep. There was a dumb fan behind us. I'm sorry if he <laughs> listens to our show. Okay, he was dumb. Didn't give him one of our stickers, did we? No, I don't think so. I didn't want okay. to. He okay. actually asked for one. Right. I said, no, you can't have it. <laughs> but no, he like, he's like, oh, you know what would be cool right now is if like Kota Ibushi showed up and did a moonsault off that ladder. What? I was like, yeah, it'd be great if I had six-pack abs too, pal. <laughs> like, How does that? And he, it, this was the same guy who talked about, he's like, is Inner Circle still together? Who's yeah. on whose team here? Yeah. And he kept laughing too. <laughs> he was like ruining my authenticity point with Eddie Kicks. He was just like laughing at spots. <sighs> I was bad, Justin. Say how bad he was. That's for a crowd that, for <laughs> the most part, was. for the most part, were awesome during the entire show, especially during Hangman Page and CM Punk. Boy, did we have some real nerds around us. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny is I didn't hear that guy really say anything. The rest of the show it was just during this match for some reason. Yeah. He was just like giving just bad takes. <laughs> Kota Ibushi would just magically appear and moonsault. What are you thinking? <laughs> this is, it's all a video game, Kyle. It's all a video game. Just bring out Kota Ibushi. It makes sense. Real quick, I want to spotlight or detail the fact that Kingston in the promo was talking about he didn't want to do the match because he didn't know what he was capable of doing to Jericho. Yep. And what led into him starting to fight Daniel Bryan was that he wanted to dump the gasoline on the Jericho while Brian Danielson basically had the match just about wrapped up, mm-hmm. but he got gasoline all over himself and Danielson stopped him from lighting yeah, Jericho. We should not bury that lead. Yeah, yeah, that was well done. Brian Danielson taking the loss, him submitting. I know that, like, okay, it was two guys doing yeah. a submission. What do we think, though, in a multi? Because we talked about Brian Danielson coming into this promotion last September. He's in a 10 man tag. Is that the best use of? Brian yeah. Danielson, him, him taking the loss? I mean, I guess it plays into, okay, you know, Kingston screwed up when he had the match won, but I don't yeah. know. I, I could see some people possibly yeah. criticizing that. Yeah. Yeah, so the finish was Brian basically trying to fight off Jake Hager and Jericho until they finally take him out. Uh, Jericho locks in a half crab, and then Hager wrapped the top rope, which had been loosened. Uh, was that Moxley that did that? Yes, Moxley. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the whole top rope had been taken down, was just loose, you know, on the ring apron. And, um, yeah, they basically had the crab on and Hager strangling Danielson's neck until Danielson passes out. So, I mean, I guess he doesn't he doesn't submit. So, that's that's an out. But. Yeah, an out. So, yeah. But, and, you know, we talked about how there's machinations, different stuff you can do with House of Black and Death Triangle moving forward. Mm-hmm. Well, how about here? If you have Kingston and Danielson feuding, you're going to have John Moxley in the middle. Then you've still got like Blackpool Combat Club when Wheeler Yuta comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, Kingston is, should probably still want to feud with Jericho as soon yep. as he wanted to kill him in the match. I don't think, you know, losing a wrestling <laughs> match is, should be enough to, you know, <laughs> suppress those primal urges, <laughs> yes. I, I guess, if you're looking at this realistically. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways you can go with this still. Um, we thought, yeah, I mean, this was the finish we thought. We thought Brian and Kingston mm-hmm. were, were going to have a problem, and, and that's how Jass was going to win. Yeah. We were a little surprised that we didn't have the tag title switch hands. I mean, going in on the preview show, I think, didn't we all pick title change here? Yes. Okay. 
So well, I know Megan Drosty was expecting Jurassic <laughs> Park to, uh, or Jurassic Express to win because Jungle Boy was no longer a boy. He was a jungle man. He has now become a man. <laughs> jungle man, Jack Perry. Yes. Uh, Jurassic Express defeating Swerve in Our Glory, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks from Team Taz. Um, yeah, we had picked Hobbs and Starks to win here. Ricky Starks continues to come off like an absolute star yes. live. The crowd ate up everything he was doing. He's another guy who plays to the crowd very well. Would have really liked to see them get a championship run here. Uh, I mean, either honestly, either team, um, Swerve and Keith Lee were very over with the crowd too. Agreed. And something we talked about though afterwards, where this match was placed right before the main event, and it's a three-way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually you don't want to do title changes in three ways. Those always come across as cheap yeah. there aren't like what are the great title changes in a three I mean, chris redacted i guess mm-hmm. people are gonna bring up at wrestlemania yeah. 20 but uh, that's the, best the less said about yeah. that the better yeah uh but i could still see it going to hobbs and starks simply because okay the hardys unless if they do 50 50 booking on friday they're maybe in the picture and i we, i do think the hardys are going to get tag title shots moving forward whether yeah. or not they do 50 50 on friday or not and ftr those are babyface teams. Yes, we talk about how the promotion is not afraid to do babyface versus babyface. Yeah. But I don't think they want to put Jurassic Express in a position to get booed. And if they're going to lose the title because Christian turns, that'd be a weird way to move titles to a different babyface team. Mm-hmm. So I, I, while I think most people want to see these titles come off Jurassic Express, and that's not a good thing yeah. if the champions are babyfaces, I don't know. They, they, I could see them on TV, maybe Starks and Hobbs getting the titles because they were the ones not pinned. Mm-hmm. Correct. So. Uh, I will say for this match, some very, very well done near falls that everybody yes. was buying. Yes. Everybody was buying them. Yeah. Especially the Ricky Starks Rochambeau spot, which I got very excited for yeah. until they kicked out. When matches get criticized for too many near falls, it's when they're like not believable or, or you just don't buy that they're going to be mm-hmm. in. Or if too many times you buy it, like you're like, that should have been the finish. These were, they could be the finish but not like it that should have been the finish. Yes, yeah. yes. An important distinction, I think, there. I agree with you, Justin. There were a lot of great near falls, and I'll tell you what, man. I think my hair is going to be all gray by the time Christian Cage turns on <laughs> Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Keep yeah. waiting. I, I Keep think, waiting. When did I first bring that up on the podcast that he's obviously turning on him? Like, Was that? October? Yeah, it was last fall for sure. Was it like after our all-out review? Yeah, possibly. Because yeah. I think I remember being in the crowd at Full Gear talking about it with Aaron and Justin. Yeah, because he lost to Omega, and we were all like, oh, what's yeah. next with Christian? I'm like, well, he's probably going to go heel and turn on yep. Jungle Boy. That's right. That was September. <laughs> it's now May. Yeah. I mean, some some of these stories have been drawn out for a couple of years, and we like that. Um, some of them don't maybe tighten it up a little bit. Well, and here's something else, though. Maybe Antonio was thinking like this. You had just done, the, or were doing the breakup storyline with Wardlow and MJF. You don't want to have True. two breakup storylines going on concurrently yeah. like that. And also, they're probably going to break Britt and Jamie Hayter up. Mm-hmm. That's another forward. one we've been waiting for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Well, this one seems like the most. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's the card. Uh, we only had the one title change in the main event. So, I mean, I know we talked about this on the preview show was, uh, you know, where do the title changes happen? They only have these quarterly pay-per-views. We thought maybe the main event, but this... This one that was hard to call. We weren't very certain, so we were pretty set on a tag title change. Didn't happen, but we get the title change of the main event. I mean, that's going to be the big story coming out of this, of course. 
moving forward, you get CM Punk in that title lineage here with AEW. And it'll be interesting to see just how quickly we have people from New Japan showing up on the, like the big names. From yes. New, not, not great Okan, and I'll do respect to him, but you know, yes. Okada. Like, yeah. Is he going to show up on Dynamite Wednesday? I, do you want a huge show. Do you want to reward the big house? Do yeah. you, I mean, Warner Discovery, they're going to be there. You mm-hmm. want to get those big reactions. There's going to be more people in attendance at the forum than there were at Double or Nothing, capacity-wise. That, yeah, that's right. Or that uh, WrestleTix had that. So it's going to be a big show. We shall see. This was a big show, fellas. Yes, How awesome it was. was this? It was. Hopefully Very we can come back and do it again. Very professional. Heck yeah. Thank you to the whole staff here at the Blue Wire Studios, the win. This was awesome. I will be getting this out on the feed as soon as possible. Episode 253. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And right here in the podcast description, patreon.com slash top rope nation. Best way to support the show. Bonus content dropping all the time. Justin and Kyle, we're about to board those planes and get back to the Midwest. It's been a lot of fun in Vegas, but it's back to the real world. Sorry to say. <laughs> Crummy real world, man. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care. Peace. Thank you. I'm the cult of personality. The cult of personality. The cult of personality.